the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much pure gold. Sweeter also than the honey that drips from the honeycomb. Moreover, your servant is warned by them. And in keeping them, there is great reward. I want to read verse 11 one more time. Moreover, your servant is warned by your law. And in keeping your law, there is great reward. Let me pray. Abba Father, I want to thank you for every person that's here. All of this is according to your plan, according to your love, your grace. And we need you right now. I'm asking in the name of your son Jesus that every heart will be tuned in, ignoring the distractions, focusing in on what you're going to say to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated and turn to Exodus 20. Exodus 20. I am, uh, several weeks ago, I was already thinking, man, we need to get in chapter 21 and da, 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 da. And the Lord has said to me clearly, no, I want you to stay in Genesis or Exodus 20 for a bit because there's a lot I want to teach my children at Christ Church. So here's a summary of the Ten Commandments, also known as the Ten Words, the Decalogue. You're very familiar with these now. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods. Second, you shall not make for yourself an idol that is sculpt or craft or manufacture a representation, not of God, but of a local pagan idol, a false god. No creating of an idol of a false god. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We developed that a little bit. We often think that means, that means don't swear. You can't cuss and, and attach God's name into cussing. That's not what that means. At its core, that is not what it means. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. Uh, you shall do no murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And you shall not covet. So these are the ten. What I want to do this morning is focus on how these impact relationships. And we're going to really drill in on mom and dad. So here's a big picture of the Ten Commandments when you embed it in the bigger picture of Torah. So it looks like this. If you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22, he said, the two greatest commandments of all is to love God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said this, all the law and even the prophets rest on those two things, right? So when you understand this, you're understanding that the embodiment of Torah Certainly the Pentateuch. Torah means the law, the teaching, the instruction, God's counsel. All is summed up in love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, in a way, the Ten Commandments are an expansion of the two great commandments. Do you get it? The Ten Commandments just simply blow out in a little greater detail the two greatest commandments of all. In fact, 
the Ten Commandments are profoundly expanded when you look at all, the, all of Torah. All right. For example, it says, honor the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Pretty simple, right? Well, where do you read Leviticus? Where do you read Deuteronomy? You know, where do you go through the whole book? And when you do all the books, you realize there is a plethora of laws under the law to honor Sabbath, right? There may be a hundred ways we must submit to teachings to make sure we don't violate Sabbath. Make sense? That's just a big picture. Giving you a big picture. All right, let's keep digging. Let's talk about relationships. So it's interesting that commands one, two, and three are about how you relate to God. How you relate to God. No other gods before me. You can't manufacture an idol or sculpt something of a local competing God. And you can't take my name in vain. All right, now, emphasizing this, please understand, when we take God's name in vain, it means we strip it of its authority. It means we, we are using his name for what it was never intended to be used for. All right. Um, think of it this way. You've got two little kids on the block and they're arguing about playing kickball or something, and they get into an argument, and one little kid says, oh, yeah, and the other one says, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 and then finally says, my dad can beat up your dad. The other one says, oh, yeah, my dad's bigger than your dad. And you get that idea? When you understand the name of God, you're calling on the biggest dad in the neighborhood, only it's not the neighborhood. It's not the city, it's not the, the county, it's not the state, it's not the nation, it's not the world, earth, it is the cosmos. That's what big God is. And when you understand his name, you understand the essence of his character, his authority, and that in his name you have safety, right? And so it's not some flipping, bubblegum chewing, cigarette smoking, casual, you you know, God, you know, he like the old man upstairs, you know, God, you know. No, 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 no. That is totally shredding the name of God. You think it's a cuss word. It, it, listen, it goes so much deeper than all that. So you want to relate to God? You make God number one. You make God number one by loving him. Absolutely. With all your heart. Okay, what about yourself? Some of us really struggle with self-care. We really struggle with that. Sabbath is about self-care. It's about resting. It's actually about two things. Sabbath is about the self-care that you need a break. You need to rest. You need to rest your brain, your heart, your soul, your spirit, your body. But you need to also understand that when you rest, this is a curious thing. You're actually imitating God's character. Did God rest? Why? Does he have a body? And, and his muscles got tired, you know, creating, casting all those stars out there in space, you know. Was God physically exerted? And after six days of hard, hard work, you know, he put in a really long, long day each day. And then finally he's just like, man, I'm beat. Ah, I need to rest on the Sabbath. That doesn't sound right, does it? Because it means God is more like us. We're bringing God down to us. But whatever it is, and if you figure it out, I want you to have a copyright. I'll make you famous. I'll tell people you figured it out. God said he needed to rest. God needed to rest. 
Maybe rest, and I do think this is getting at the heart of it, rest is the ability to stop and reflect, Lee, to think. Stop and reflect about your life, about what you should give, you should be appreciative of, about who you are in the world that you live in. Rest and think. It's not rest and go stupid, it's rest and think. I think God rested and reflected on all that happened, not because his muscles were tired, but because there's something going on in his character, and he wants us to enter into that character, and we do so by keeping Sabbath, keeping the idea of rest. That's very complicated. Let's keep going. What about the family? This is a big deal. Honor your father and your mother. What does that mean, and how do we experience life, as, as I was reading from Psalm 19. So what, is, what does it mean, honor your father and mother, kavad uh, in Hebrew? Uh, honor means treating your parents as though they matter, or literally, kavad means it's weighty, it's heavy. It's heavy. Um, I, I, you know, all of us here have done work, and you picked up a really heavy rock, and you go, wow, that's a really heavy rock in comparison to this little dried-up stick. That's the idea that... Weigh your parents as though they're heavy. We're not Hebrews. It's hard to have a Hebrew brain. Give them honor that is weighty is what we're talking about. Deserving of respect. All right, you ready to go deep with that? I'm going to go deep with honoring your parents. This is going to be the, the real drill point here. Um, you know that I, I, I serve and I care for people as pastor through Grace Counseling Clinic and... Again, story after story about how God is at work. It is truly amazing. And, but one of the common things that I encounter, client by client by client, is that there's abuse, there's abandonment, there's neglect of some sort by mom and dad. And so we have children that are struggling with, with parent relationships and the long-term effects of that. By the way, quick plug for the Moms Life Group, Wednesdays, 10 a.m., they're going through a book uh, that is incredible called Parent, the Child You Have, Not the Child You Were. So let's dig in on what it means. All right, now, we're, we're going we're gonna to focus. So the first interpretation that we need to get a hold of is, why should we honor our parents, and is it because they are conditionally worthy of honor? All right, let's think. What does it mean that something is conditionally worthy of honor? What's that? Right, they, they, they're worthy of it. They earned it because they, are, in fact, are good people. They're moral people. They're spiritual people. They're kind people. They, they have good character qualities. They're really, really good folks. And so you should honor your mom and your dad because of the condition of their hearts. They're good people. Do you think that's what the command is about? They can break it. They can break that. that Big time. Worthy of honor. Not everybody that walks this earth is worthy of honor. Interesting. So, so someone can be morally failed, corrupt in a, a million ways they, that you can experience corruption, and be unworthy based on moral <laughs> failure or corruption, but, in, but be in a position... To be honored. Do you honor the president even though he might be a complete idiot? And I'm not particularly targeting the one that runs in the walls. I'm, I'm talking about 
any president. I, can you think of a single president that there's no sin against? Come on. They're not national pastors, okay? Can we get past that? I can't think of anybody, especially me, that doesn't struggle with some kind of deficiency in character. So, so do we honor our parents, as Janice pointed out, because they are positionally worthy of honor? How about this one? You ready? Let me use my hands to, to communicate. Because I'm the mommy, that's why. I'm in the position... Because I'm the daddy, that's why. I'm in the position, and that's why you've got an honor. You've got an honor. Is that what God means? But does the position mean something, though? Just in Hebrew culture, what do you think? There's something there. What? A foolish son would be disrespectful to his parents. Is a righteous son righteous? And being disrespectful to foolish parents? Is a righteous son or daughter righteous and disrespecting foolish parents? I think first it's a matter of ourselves, how we ourselves behave. Are we going to behave in the right way, whether they do or not? Regardless of the authority, that's really good, Janice. Okay, are you getting it? We have a concept, does God want us to honor our parents because they're worthy, because they're just really good people? You lucked out, and you got the greatest parents ever. You know, Don't you want just Edie and Lee to just like adopt you? you know? It's like, oh, they're such good people. It'd be really easy to obey Lee and Edie. Well, maybe easier to obey Lee than Edie. I, I don't know. You know, you get the idea, they're good people. Yeah, please be my mom and dad. But what about when you have parents that are not so good, but they're in the position? How many of you have been stung by a boss at work? I can, if I had more limbs, I would raise everyone I've got. They, oh my goodness. They're in the position of authority, and out of that position, they can do some really, really bad things. Yep. Our parents are positionally worthy. Is that what God says? What about number three? We've got to honor our parents because one day you'll be one. <laughs> That's why. And Jesus said, hey, treat others the way you want to be treated. Yes, sir. I think interpretation three makes the most sense. Say that again. I think interpretation three makes the most sense. Good. Thank you. I like that. One day it's going to be on us, isn't it? One day you're going to be a wonderful husband and a wonderful dad. And you're going to have little kids. And you're going to say to your son, let's say his name is Billy. You're going to say, Billy, go pick up your toys. And Billy's going to say, no, I don't want to. And you're going to go, oh, I remember my mom and dad. <laughs> Billy, what would your grandparents say? It, it's coming. It's coming, I promise. So God wants us to honor our parents because one day we're going to be a parent. Hmm. Number four. Getting tougher, Christchurch. A child's ability to honor a conditionally failed parent prepares them for the realities and challenges of the adult world. In other words, an uncoachable child is an unemployable adult. An uncoachable child is typically an unemployable adult. Do you understand what that means? Are you with me? Ouchie, ouchie. Yeah, Carrie. And I think, too, that 
right. and how that looks. Um, or even just honor them, even if it's not a part of their everyday life anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that shows Jesus's love and um, spiritual connection inside that person. Yeah. Um, That is good, Karen. You're actually drawing from Colossians and Ephesians. So, a child's ability to show respect and honor to a failed parent prepares them for the adult world. Because as you know, that child will one day be employed at UAMS, here, there, GE, wherever they're working, and they're going to have some knuckle-headed boss over them, aren't they? And that boss is going to do something, say something, treat them in such a way that's going to fly all over them. And how they act is in direct relationship with how they handled their very inconsistent, very failed parents. What about option five? The parent-child relationship is actually a reflection, a mirror reflection of the God-Christian relationship. And there is a spiritual component in authority that we oftentimes do not understand. There's a bigger thing going on in authority. And I've given you lots of scriptures to dig into on that one. There's something about the parent-child relationship and the authority that's involved in that. And the God-Christian relationship and that authority. There's a mystery in it. There's something deeply spiritual And when we as followers of Jesus, and you're getting at it, Carrie, learn how to be people under authority, we need to, we we learn how to handle that, something incredible can happen. And the person that can't stand to be under authority, (laughs) that's very telling. Your ability to, we have some soldiers here, or, or excuse me, that was so disrespectful. We have Air Force people. Air Force is just the best. When an order is given, Ryan, how do you take it? Whether you give it or you receive it, what do you do? If it's lawful, lawful, assuming it's not lawful, yeah. You obey that order. Yeah, and and there's a reason why behind that. So, no, this is a tough one, I know. Number six, what does it actually mean to honor your parents? If you're a psychologized American, you think it should be this emotional attachment. This state, oh, mommy, I love you. Oh, daddy, I love you. You're the best. No, you're the best pookie bear. And it's, oh, I love you. Like that's the ideal mommy, daddy, daughter, son relationship. But actually in Hebrew culture, it actually means you're going to provide for your parents in in terms of basic necessities. That that's the idea. So honor your parents means make sure that their basic needs are being met. Don't turn your back on your parents when they're in a financial crisis or when they're in a health crisis or they have no place to live or something like that. You have to understand this was written in a nomadic culture. Do you know what I mean by a nomadic culture? What do I mean by that? They're moving around. This is on the move. What do you do when, when your old man's got this big heavy sack of stuff and here we go. We've got the next journey. We've got to follow Moses. And he's worn out. 
This is a sun, sunset. Here, dad, 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 come here, come here, come here. Here, come on. Come on, I, I got them both. And, and No, 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 son, that's two, that's, you got two of them. No, no, no. Dad, you need to rest. Dad, you're tired. I know your back hurts. Come on, let's go. Let's go. So there's a very clear sense in which honoring, respecting refers to making sure that the basic necessities of your parents, those needs, are being met. All right, number seven. Last one. The authority and position of the parent in, in Israeli culture is sacred and multi-generational in scope. Violation of this sacred relationship is punishable by death. Ow. By the way, it's true. It's true. And now we're getting to the position, uh, Janice, not the condition, but the position. In Israeli culture and according to Torah, the position of the parent is very, very significant. And that has implications to the second, third, fourth, fifth generation rolling down through the ages. That there's something about saying, I have honored my father Abraham. I have honored Moses. I have honored Jacob. There's something about saying that, about honoring your forefathers. All right. There's something very sacred there. All right. Christ Church, yes. In that culture, were the parents, or especially the fathers, more um, aware or took it more to heart to, you know, in the New Testament, the fathers are said, don't provoke your children, don't aggravate them, they need to be discouraged. So if a child grows up without good guidance or Mm, Justin, you may jump in on that question. Uh, inclination is a complicated yes and no. You know, in, in Proverbs, it says to take a rod. And you know what a rod is? It's a rod. <laughs> and what do you do with that thing? Yeah. So parenting in Israeli culture, ancient Mediterranean culture, would look to us like violence, very violent, violent acts toward a child. Really would, from our perspective. The lack of that culture now has created violence. But, okay, now, now, now you're onto something. Did you guys see the headlines about Austin, Texas? What's going on, Austin? You need to check that, and don't check them out now. Don't get on your phones. Shame, 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 shame. The, by the way, Austin is one of the most liberal cities in Texas. They have pushed, X number of years ago, 2020, they voted to defund the police. They're getting the fruit of that decision. There are sections of the city of Austin, Texas, with no police presence. And you know what the authorities are saying now? Quote, unquote, we are on the brink of disaster. Evil is real. When you read Romans 13... God's answer to evil is righteous authority, law enforcement, military. And when you take that away, evil can run rampant. That's going on in Austin, Texas right now. So, so what, what do you do when you have parents that neutralize their influence and like, well, little Billy, you just do whatever you want. 
You're exploring, trying to find out who you really are. <laughs> okay. Well, a child left to himself brings his mother shame. Proverbs says that. Uh, there's a little, there's a little uh, kid show called Fancy Nancy. Don't watch it. <laughs> little, little kid show, Fancy Nancy, a typical cartoon thing. And I, I saw this particular episode, and this little girl was singing, doing ballet and fancy girl things. And the lyric was, there's no right and wrong. There's no wrong. You can do what you want. There's no right. There's no wrong. Now, I'm an adult. I can filter through that. My cortex is pretty good shape. I go like, that's a lie. That's stupid. But what if you're four? What if you're five and the seed is planted? There's no rules. Yeah, exactly. Woo! Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, yeah. All right, Christchurch, it's time to take out your paper, your pencils, write your name at the top. You will be graded. This will go on your final exam. (laughs) What's the right interpretation on what it means to honor mom and dad? One through seven. (laughs) Cheater. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, so I think, you know, having that parent-child relationship can give us some context when, you know, God, you know, God is our father. Because if you talk to a child especially or a young adult that grew up without a father in particular or an absent parent, they have a hard time understanding the benevolence of a father, the ever-presence of a father. Yeah. So with that parent-child relationship and, and putting it as high, high importance, that helps with that. Yeah, that's even, so cool. And you know, when you go to talk to that person, you can point to that, yeah. that uh, commandment. Yeah, that. that's so good, Kathy. So good. All right, so which, which one is the, uh, the interpretation that you believe makes the most sense of the text? The ones for which you provided references. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but really, I, I mean, I think five, six, and seven really do kind of hit at the heart. Uh, I, I did want to just comment quickly on number five. I think I've learned more about God tremendously, you know, thousands of times over by being a parent. Yeah. Uh, and that may be because I grew up at home that wasn't necessarily Christian, right? So I'm, this is part of a Christian education. Yeah. But... Yeah, there's not a day that goes by where I don't deal with something positive or negative that, yeah. you know, ultimately leads me to saying, hey, this is what God is dealing with with me yeah. and others, but yeah. really just yeah. kind of highlights that parent-child relationship. That's so good. Children have a way of growing up their parents. Anyone else on which interpretation? Um, 
Yeah, and Edie, it's a little more complicated, I think, that if we have failed parents and that is imprinted, you know, tattooed on our brains, we can conclude that all authority is bad and God must be bad because he's the ultimate authority. And that's so deeply imprinted, it's really hard to break through that. It's, it's complicated. So, anybody else? Yeah, Joe? Let me walk that back a little further. If you're an infant, let me give you a scenario. Your mom is reckless in a drug culture. You weren't planned. Right. And you're born, and your mom is just worried about herself. I think at that point in your life, if you're not being loved and nurtured, you're missing something going forward. Absolutely. You don't know what it feels like. You don't know your whole life. You're wondering, you know, and you probably see it. You're All the time. who don't know how to feel loved or don't know what it's supposed to feel Every like. day. They think it's sleeping with people. They think it's... So, yeah, if you're cognizant or, or old enough to understand behavior isn't right from your parents, but if you're an infant... I, and, you know, I'm talking about, like, number seven, like, don't spare the rod, but do it in a loving way. Yes. But if you're doing it because you had a bad day at work, and your kid spilled some milk, and you're like, I'm, I'm un- unloading today. Yep. That's not it's child abuse. doing it in love. It's so, I mean, there's, you know, I, 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 sometimes it's honor the position, not the person. In some cases, you know, like the president. Sure. You might not like him, but, you know, as a soldier, he's your commander in chief. That's yep. the position. So I, there's a lot of like meandering and stuff. This is tough. This is really, really tough. And by the way, this is where we're living. Even for those of, the, those of us who are old. So, so thank you, Joe, very, very much. By the way, um, it's fascinating. The children who go through abandonment by like a meth head mom or something like that or absentee dad, that kind of thing. They typically form what's called an attachment style. Or the habit and the tendency by which they relate to people. So if my hands are like this, that means it's healthy, secure attachment. It's good, right? When children are raised in really damaged homes, and they, they can sometimes become parasitic. Like mom's the tick, and mom's looking for the dog, and the dog's the kid. It's super unhealthy. Or mom is the dog and wants the kid to be the tick on the dog. That's parasitic attachment. You can't. It's hard to break. Right. So this is good. And then for a lot of us, it's going to be what's called insecure. We want intimacy. We want security, but we're afraid of it. You get close, you get hurt. You get close, you get hurt. So it's like, it's not worth it. <laughs> but you want it. And so you live in a state of frustration. And by the way, it's hard to be married to that. Okay? Just a little quick comment. Next is you have what's called an ambivalent insecure attachment. And that means you tend to be more distant and can almost become attacking, and then you bounce back. And you're attacking, and you bounce back. I don't care. I don't need anybody. Yeah, I do. And I'm mad. Pow. I don't need anybody. You know. So it's, it's a really, really bad place. Then you have what's called disorganized, where you've got actually psychotic relations. It's crazy bad. So all of this stuff is real. And, and a child that goes through abandonment, and it, it feels like this as a newborn, right on down the line, Sometimes, do you know the love of Jesus is like the greatest thing that can ever happen? It's like finally the love they've never had. <gasps> it's amazing. But for some people, Joe, and here's the heartbreaker, it sets up a block and they go, nah, there's no way God loves me. There's no way. There's no way. Jenna, you got to watch the clock. Yes, Jenna. Um, just a couple of observations and I want to know if I'm correct in this. So never have I read anywhere in the Bible that an 
asterisk by honor your father and mother. Never. If they're good. Right. right. So it's yeah. just a command. Yeah. So, but you can do that in maybe number six. And I think Carrie said this, even if you're not connected to him on the daily or the monthly, you know, you can you can still honor them from a little bit of a distance. Is yes. true? Yes. Again, when you look at the Hebrew language, the idea is make sure you take care of mom and dad. Don't, don't envision that it has to be a hallmark moment. Oh, daddy. Oh, mommy. And this th- we need to get that out. Of, that's a Western psychologized view. Now, sure, I'd love to be best friends with my mom. And I would love that. That'd be a beautiful thing. But for a lot of us, we don't have best friend relationships with our parents. We have respectful relationships. Yeah, This is complicated. And there's truth. In all these things. It's really complicated. Right? We do know this. That when you get to Colossians. And we're, we're jumping in ahead. Jenna. That Jesus can be standing behind the authority. This is my less than perfect parent. But Jesus. If you're a Christian. Jesus is standing behind that parent. Or the boss at UMS. Or wherever it may be. Okay? There's a lot here at Christ Church. There's a lot. And your ability to settle in your mind that God is calling you to honor your father and your mother in a way that is meaningful and biblical and spiritually mature is a key marker in you, in you growing up. Okay? All right. Let's keep going. I know the clock is going by. So there's honor your mom and dad, number five. Six to ten. This is, this is interesting. Uh, no murder, no adultery, no stealing, no false testimony, no covenant. This is about neighbors. I want to read something um, uh, regarding relationships and why. In fact, let me go back here on honoring your mom and dad and about the family. These two articles came out from the Institute of Family, uh, family Studies. It says this. This is from Leela Miller. She wrote regarding divorce, the impact on adult Children, adult children like me, with my parents' divorce, unacknowledged feelings, the sense of abandonment, the loss of first family, a different view of the world, and lifelong grief can be a part of what adult children of divorce go through. It's a really interesting article that came out in 2017, Institute Family, uh, family uh, Study. What is really interesting to me is February 26, 2024, Brad Wilcox did research and concluded this. If you want to slash the risk of divorce, go to church. Go to church. Americans who regularly worship at their local church are more likely to get married and stay Happily married. In fact, regular churchgoers are between about 30 and 50% less likely to divorce. Treat each 
other really well, they have really long lasting healthy marriages. And then you have the people who are like culturally Christian. They don't really take the Bible or the teaching seriously, or they do in a really legalistic way, and they have terrible, terrible stats in terms of like abuse and divorce and all of that. And so when you average all of that together, yeah, yeah, that's so good. Thank you very, very much. Okay, um, I want to I want to end with this: uh, the command to not murder, no adultery, no stealing, no false witness. I think are really interesting behaviors, in the sense that I think they actually point to coveting. What is coveting? I want what I don't have, or what I have, I don't want you to want. <laughs> I think it's driven by fear. Driven by fear, driven by greed. Murder, adultery, stealing, and lying are behaviors that are driven by fear and greed. And then coveting embodies that. And we'll develop that more, more fully. I want to read to you Colossians 3, 5. And it's, it's so telling. It gives such insight into this very idea of these commandments and how we relate to our neighbors. Paul writes, Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead. You're a Christian now, so the old life is gone. Treat the old life as though it's dead. So treat the earthly parts of your body as dead To Pay attention to the list. Let me back up here and... and These commandments, pay attention. Consider them as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. And then the scripture says, which amounts to idolatry. These things can become an an actual idol. So, So watch this. The concept of having no gods before me, the commandment number one, and the last commandment, you shall not covet, are actually mutually interchangeable ideas. Some of us, in other words, some of us in the room this morning would say, well, I don't go after false gods. I don't go after the god of the horrible god of Molech or the god of Baal or whoever these these pagan gods are. I don't do that stuff, really. But yet we are full. We have a covetous heart, Lee. My bass boat needs to be better than your bass boat, you know. And if it's not, I'm jealous. I'm coveting your boat. You know, (laughs) my mighty truck, the beast. So these things are actually related. And both of them say this. God takes offense when we chase after other gods, commandment number one, because it says, God, you're not enough. Jesus, you're not enough. Holy Spirit, you're not enough. And then when you get down to you shall not covet, it's the same idea. Whatever God has done in my life, it's not enough. God is failing me again. And I don't have what I want. And so gods and coveting foreign gods, those two ideas are end caps and are profoundly related. Fear and greed driving the pursuit of foreign gods as though God is not enough. Coveting the pursuit of particular people 
particular things and behaviors as though God is not enough and you can't be happy. I'd be, be happy if I had better mom and dad. I'd be happy if I had more obedient kids. Be happy if I had a husband who made the money I want him to make. Be happy if I had a wife. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and and boy, there's a whole semantic battle there, and the idea, Bruce, is. I want what I don't have. <laughs> and the idea that if I have it, I'll be happy. So we just walked through the Ten Commandments and did a bit of a deep dive on the commandment to honor mom and dad. I want to read Psalm 19 again because I think we miss it. The law of the Lord. We just read it. We just read the law. The law of the Lord is perfect. Restoring the soul. Is there, is there one of these ten that if you obeyed that command, it would restore your soul? And it'd make you go, whew, wow. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Anybody here struggling with wisdom? You want to be wise? You really want to be smart? Try doing that. That's smart. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Can you imagine the healthy relationships that you would have if you were married to someone who observed these? And and you had friends who observed these? And children who observed these? That we were all submitting ourselves to Jesus. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Anybody here sick and tired of what you're pumping into your eyes through your iPhone? You're sick of what the garbage that is being poured into your eyes, into your brain and your heart? Just because you have a little device about that big. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Anybody here feel dirty, morally dirty, morally guilty? You have this cloud of shame that follows you wherever you go. Maybe it's time that you learn to fear the Lord and experience cleanness instead of fearing public opinion and fearing what people think about you. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether, more desirable. Let me do a modern translation. More desirable than a better house. More desirable than a new bass boat. More desirable than a fully restored 1978 Ford F-150 four-wheel drive truck. More desirable than the coolest gun we could ever have in our cool gun collections. More desirable than the ideal piece of furniture that's just going to really make your living room pop. I mean, come on, that color's awesome. More desirable than... Kids who look like they stepped out of a gap catalog. 
That may have been like the wrong store to pick, but you get the idea. Yeah. Do we need to be warned? Do we need to understand that in keeping the law, there's great reward? That's a lot here. All right. Next Sunday, we're going to go deep. I know the hour's late. You guys are so patient with me. Thank you. Let me pray. Father, we love you and thank you. Your word, the law, exposes what's really inside of us. And it chases us to your son, Jesus. We need Jesus who paid the penalty of our sins for our breaking your law. Jesus makes the payment. Abba, Father, I beg anybody here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, and they realize even from the teaching of your word this morning, they are lawbreakers. They have, they have wandered from you, and you are calling them to be born again, to become followers of Jesus. Your son, would you speak to them in undeniable way? Thank you that through Jesus, you create in us a clean heart, O oh God. Please bless now in Jesus' name, amen.